should be 8 o'clock. Oh, my 9 o'clock alarm would have went off. My 9.30 alarm would have went off. <laughs> testing. A... Testing. Test audio. Uh, so I guess we'll go ahead and open up. Yeah, I think we're ready to begin. Okay. Welcome to the video game uh, video game open coffee club. See, I got it in there this time. Yeah. And we are, this is the recap. We talk about what happened in the previous weeks, or pe- previous week, about the to- uh, what topics got us all hot and bothered. And then we've got a special guest today. Yeah. So let's go ahead. I'm Rebecca Easton. I am the, I am an editor-in-chief at a marketing firm called Roger Wilco. We do everything from blogging all the way over to blockchain consulting, so... And who else do I have? Uh, I'm Eric Brody. I'm a producer for an indie studio here in Dallas, Poly Night Games. I'm Michael Sewell. I'm a technical design animator upstairs at Gearbox Software. And our special guest? I'm Storm Hughes, an independent game developer in Dallas. I'm also a operations manager of a co-working space here in Dallas. We were talking about that last week, actually. Oh, cool. Oh, okay. Uh, so what, what were the past events that happened recently? Uh, let's see. So, uh, last week we had, um, a couple different events at Braindead. Um, mm-hmm. they held some stuff for Overwatch League. Um, I think that's all that really happened last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that when we were talking about the events last week, um, we didn't really have a whole lot. We do have some big events coming up this week. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, tonight, nobody's going to be listening to it tonight, <laughs> but we have, uh, Society Play Show and Tell tonight oh no open mic oh is it open mic tonight oh yeah. okay. there you go uh oh that's right because it's monday mm-hmm. yeah um and uh let's see on i'm gonna skip friday real quick because that's actually we actually have the person who runs the friday event mm-hmm. here right now um and then of course on saturday uh we have the igda winter party right uh on saturday a uh, bunch of short guys also has a talk at 10 a.m so about AR, VR, changing your career up. So that might be something you all want to check up, check out. And uh, what did we talk? Is that it? Is that all we have? I oh, think that's all the events. Well, Friday. Yeah. I, we found out stuff happens on Friday. Well, I was going to, uh. there's a little bit of follow-up on IGA. Like, this is the last week for the IGA winter party. Uh. So I would say there are still tickets available. Of course, you can find them on the Facebook event page mm-hmm. um, or on event. Uh, they're all purchasable through Eventbrite. It is cheaper the day if you were to pre-order them than if you were to get them at the door. But, of course, you can't always get them at the door as well. Um, for anybody who has games to show, there are still plenty of slots available. Um, and there was a little bit of a confu- there was a little bit of confusion regarding that as well. If you do show, you do actually get uh, a free ticket for entrance as well. So it is an awesome opportunity for, for you to be able to show either your board game, your analog game, or of course your video game um, for free to a lot of local game developers and people who are in the industry um, here in DFW. So. Wait, quick question about that. Oh, sure. Right at the mic. Quick question. Um, that free ticket, does it for you, or do you get additional, like you can bring a friend and they get free? Or is a ticket for you for free? Uh, what? <laughs> you said you get a free ticket if you're showing your game. Does that sure. mean you get in for free as well as you get to show your game? Or yes. is it a, okay, just ensuring that's the case? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So if I bring a friend, I have to buy them a ticket. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Makes sense. There's a bit of a mix-up. The form to have your game showed on the floor says that you need to buy a ticket still. That's oh. incorrect. Okay. <clears throat> right. And any who did, uh, we will be refunding. 
Cool. Noted. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, let's just hop right into uh, what we discussed on Thursday. We fought. Well, real quick, let's not skip the Friday event. Oh my gosh. Why am (laughs) I so bad? Please. No. Tell us about your Friday event. My Friday. So, uh, (laughs) the play test. uh, Every Friday, you do a play test at Node Friday evenings? Yes. From 7 to 10. Um, Yeah. uh, I guess last year, making video games and needing play testing, it's very difficult to accrue an audience to do that. And since I work at a co-working space and the Friday nights are pretty much dead because everyone wants to go home early, I thought, well, I have a place to do this. Why not attempt to throw together a little event? And I love um, Dallas Society of Plays show and plays. They're a great social event, but they're not the best for playtesting because you only get like 10 to 15 minutes and it's a whole crowd and everyone's su- barking suggestions without actually playing it. So this one's more of a, um, a hangout long form playtest session where you get you get anywhere from five to an hour, five minutes to an hour, or even more if there's less games, and a lot, a lot of a smaller crowd, so more people get to play. Especially for local multiplayer games like mine, I average five to eight people at the moment, which is nice. It's very quiet, like looks not more playing. It gets pretty loud, but it's very like controlled and social, and uh, it's been super helpful. It helps me um, really like. <clears throat> refine the gameplay of RGB, uh, my game that's releasing on Thursday, if anybody's out there. Thank you. Um, super excited and also worried, but we'll make it happen. <laughs> um, by we, I mean me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's open to the public. If anybody wants to, if anybody's in Dallas and they want to come play video games that are in development, um, it's at Node Coworking, Friday nights uh, from 7 to 10. If you have a video game that you'd like to be to be play tested, whether it's just a bunch of gray squares or it's five minutes from release, uh, shoot me an email um, th- or go on meetup.com and find the meetup page for it. And then th- my email is there and you can sh- give me the game that way I can have any marketing material for it. And also the idea being if it gets to be a lot of games, I need to know what's going to be shown. I don't want people kind of just walking up like, I have a video game. Like, I hope it's not a bad one. <laughs> I hope it's not what I think it is. Uh, so it's not that I'm here curating heavily. It's, I just want to make sure that it's mm-hmm. good enough. By good, I mean safe for work. It's a working space. Because <laughs> yeah. um, I have had one... So, like one person wanted to come by and play test it, but they were super cool about it. Like, this is not what for, for most people. Can I play it? I'm like, no, <laughs> I'll play it, but I'm not gonna <laughs> bring it to my job. Um, do you have to sign up uh, anywhere if you just wanted to come play? Uh, we asked that you do meet up, okay. but you can just show up. I I'm not gonna kick you out if you haven't been on Meetup, but I just I ask that way. If people find the event on Meetup.com and one person's going, they may not go because it's gonna be them and one other person. Right. But if in actuality, six people show up, then it, it increases the chances that someone else will come out as well. So, okay, cool. we'll make sure to put the links up awesome. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we can probably put it on the, the Coffee Club website. Yeah. Coffee Club yeah. website yeah. or or, uh, yeah. or uh, the post a post. I think yeah, good old post. Shared it in a, on our group page. A good old public post on Facebook. Mm. Now is it recap I think time? So. <laughs> I think it is. Yes. <laughs> Oh, uh, jeez. Uh, so we last week we were talking about our Harvey Weinstein moment. Oh, yeah. Uh, if we were gonna have one, <laughs> so uh, one of the things that came up out of that recently was that the Subnautica sound designer was let go because of past tweets that people had dug up of him. It was mm-hmm. one thing that we talked about. Don't how, have this how, was how far Thursday. past are we talking? 
if you don't mind me asking. Uh, that happened, like, what, two weeks ago? Rolling Stones, apparently. No, it died on me. The Horrible. old tweets or... Do you access to Gmail? Oh, no, I got it. Okay. <laughs> it came back. Um, say it one more time. <clears throat> the old tweets that were dug up or the uh, the event? Oh, the the, the old the old tweets. Uh, apparently, people have been digging them up for a while, and he's kind of done that for a long time. Mm. Uh, they were kind of sexist and racist, is what a lot of people were saying. And then I guess a couple weeks ago he was let go. I don't know. The timeline's kind of sketchy. But a Rolling Stone article was posted about it, uh, was written about it. And it was one of those uh, one of those things where we wondered if social media was too powerful because it seems to be ending a lot of people's career or if it was a good thing that people used. Well... In my opinion, I that that happens a lot. The mm-hmm. whole old tweets coming up, and I have varying feelings about all those. But in the end of the day, stop being mean. Like <laughs> just <laughs> knock it off. Airing these opinions so publicly that right. it's going to bite you in the butt later on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen people talk about. It's a weird not because I think the only way I, I haven't seen these tweets. I don't know the person, but I know yeah. that the anonymity of the internet makes it a lot easier to be sexist and racist because yeah. you don't have to take yeah. it to somebody's face. So the only reason he said those things most likely is because it was on Twitter and then Twitter comes back to get you. Well, so there's also, it's interesting. Twitter is like, also used as a space for like offended to be, uh, people want to be offended. So yeah. wait, Offended to be offended is what I wrote down. <laughs> offended people want to be offended. Yeah. Well, Twitter is also such a platform that, like, the way that you use it is so different based on if you are either famous or, or if you are not famous. Mm-hmm. And so we also get this weird, like, kind of, because of that dichotomy, you get this weird shift mm-hmm. when suddenly people suddenly find themselves famous. Yeah. And then all of their tweets are read very differently as well. So, again, right. not not going in defense of what this person said. Like, Storm, mm-hmm. I have no idea. I haven't read any of these mm-hmm. things. But just, like, in a general sense, you know, like, I mean... Um, yeah, you know, and I mean, I think that for all of us who have had like a Twitter profile for a really long time, like not necessarily that we've said anything that people would really take as like bad, but I know that I've said stuff that was like, I don't know, twenty-year-old Eric probably said <laughs> some stupid stuff that I wouldn't agree with now, ten years later. But yeah. like, not even really from a political sense, but just because like maybe just bad music choices or something. Mm. And and even with that, like you yeah. can still dig down and read that, or like really bad like clothing choices that I made and you oh, know no. um and so like people just change opinions for you know over time as well yeah. and mm-hmm. um yeah I think that there's there's a lot of layers to that conversation I think that maybe based on what he said there's maybe not any uh layers to be had there um from what I've heard but you know um it is interesting and I think on a broader discussion mm-hmm. on on like is yeah. Should there be some type of statute of limitations on when people say things and how they say things mm-hmm. on social media? Mm-hmm. So, so we'll move. On. Just, like, we apparently covered a lot of topics. So we talked about uh, this was at the Thursday one. Yeah, this is okay. the Thursday Coffee Club. We talked about the Subnautica. We also talked about how, uh, we, and we covered this on Friday as well about how Xbox Game Pass is, has got a lot of re- game retails saying they're no longer care- going to carry. Uh, Xbox products because because of their past there's they're like it still sells away from us why am I going to care continue to carry your product and support mm-hmm. uh, the Xbox Game Pass ha- has about a hundred games they came out and said that their newest games or latest games are going to be added to that 
That's only first party titles, right? I think no, we it's about? Uh, anything that's on the okay. Any any they on they're always adding more to the to the pass. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, uh, what is this? Oh, Pillars of Eternity 2. Obsidian is creating their very first sequel to their first IP game. They're known for doing a lot of games for other developers, like Fallout New Vegas. Uh, what was that? Stick of Truth. So this will be their first. Oh, they did Stick of Truth? I want to say they yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Cool. Alpha Protocol. They're uh-huh. much under-loved oh. game. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, Pillars of Eternity was great. That's mm. awesome. Especially seeing how well Divinity did. Oh, um, and just one of the things out of that, too, was they were one of the first AAA studios. I want to say they're AAA. AAA studios to use crowdfunding yeah. for Pillars of Eternity. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we talked about... I can't believe this is still going on. Uh, a couple of years ago... Lindsay Lohan got really upset at <laughs> Grand Theft Auto, uh, oh, right, yeah. stealing her likeness. Well, apparently, another lady from like Mobster, uh, some reality TV show, also came out and said they stole her likeness, and they are still carrying on with this lawsuit against them. And somebody from Cleveland weighed in on that. I just couldn't believe it was still going on. And somebody brought up that. We can start seeing that a lot more because we have machine learning that can kind of paste people's face on things and make it really realistic. That brought up the conversation of deep fake. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> no. Deep fake? What? Deep, deep fake. fakes, man. You don't know about those? No. Uh, it's, let's Ooh. just say it has stuff to do with porn. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, well, it's, it's, it's applicable in multiple, multiple cases, mm-hmm. but sure. yeah. But it, it got super famous for... Uh, Pornography. Yeah. So the I know the Lindsay Lohan case was dropped, um, like that that has been settled. Mm-hmm. But um, so now they have another case against them, essentially. Okay. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. That's um, interesting. What do we have here? At what point have video games gone too real? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what, I don't know about this case, but I know the Lohan case. It was actually their concept art and like their marketing material. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Essentially, if you ever saw like the in the GTA Five promo material, um, the girl on the beach in the bikini, they claimed that that was. She yeah, claimed that that was based yeah. on her. Huh. Then we got to upcoming game tournaments that were going to happen and how Marvel vs. Capcom did not make it into the overall selection of it. Really? Yeah. The new one? Evo. Right? They, yeah, they got Evo. cut out of Evo. They didn't make it into Evo. No, nope. they got cut out by Ooh, Fighters. Uh, or yeah. Dragon Ball Fighters. The Z mm-hmm. is silent. <laughs> um, yeah. Oof. And then I had a fangirl moment uh, about BTS again. <laughs> Good old, old tweeting you guys again? No, it went like this. BTS is releasing an entire game, an entire so video game. Related, yeah, 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 it's they're releasing BTS World. And what blew huh. me away is that they're going to have 10,000 unique, 10, unique photos and 100 videos that they recorded for this whole thing. And you're going to be playing as their manager. And huh. from what it sounds like, or what I think it may be, just based on the trailers, is that you're trying to help them debut. So they take it all the way back to 2012 and then up to 2013. So I'm not familiar with BTS. Is that it's a Korean, a South Korean boy band? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So is it a 
a singing game or yeah it's a management game no you you play as a manager okay but it totally some people on reddit mentioned this it totally looks like you it's a dating sim (laughs) because they have like specialty phone things have you played the uh the mobile game um, yeah, their mobile game yeah, that my, came my out. My girlfriend's super into BTS. She loves them. Um, <laughs> but apparently to get the mobile game, you have to change your region because it's unavailable oh, in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. And I played it, and it's actually a good rhythm game. Mm-hmm. Like, the way it works on a touchscreen, I'm like, this is yeah. really good design. Like, like they just, they, they got some indie dev somewhere to design a really nice mobile, like, nice, like, rhythm game and then threw BTS on it, and it works. Uh, so knowing that they can actually make quality games... Like typically, that I'd be like Red Flare, Red Flare, pu- pu- public icons making video yeah. game. But knowing that they've made a good one, whoever's in charge of making the games, they know what they're well, doing. Well, with yeah. how popular mobile games are in Asia as well, like I mean, that actually doesn't surprise me as much. And especially rhythm games and games ba- or like idle management sims, like those are like the bread and butter of licensed titles in mm-hmm. mobile in the mobile market. Because like, there's another one like um, all the Idol Master games. You have to do the same thing, and those mm-hmm. are fantastic rhythm games too. Um, but yeah, yeah like uh, either uh, idle based um, rhythm games or idle based management games are like super popular. Yeah. Um, but this is the first that's based off of a real idle group, which is really, I don't know, kind of fourth wall breaking in weird mm-hmm. ways and kind of interesting that that's mm-hmm. the direction mm-hmm. they're going. Yeah. I mean, they, it was mentioned that there's idols that have been in games before, but this is the very first group that's gone and done like the full thing. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's super cool. So we, it sounds like maybe football manager, but. <clears throat> but K-pop bands? Yeah. That's kind of yeah. cool. Uh, then we talked about Tomb Raider, the movie. How video... Oh. <laughs> how there are a lot of games that... A lot of games that replicate... No, wait. There's a lot of game movies based on games. Well, this is going to be <laughs> one of those where it's a movie and then it's going to have an arcade game related to the movie. Oh, full circle. But the movie itself <laughs> is based off the first reboot, right? Like shot yes. for shot, if you look at the first trailer, it's moments exactly from the oh, game. Oh, god! So they re- they rebooted, and then they made a movie off the reboot. And they're, they're rebooting making... the movie series because there were two previous <laughs> two movies. Right? Yeah, and so then Angelina Jolie, who actually looks yeah. yeah, and then now they're making an arcade. Game. Wow, capitalism's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. There was this isn't the first, and maybe it came up during the conversation. This isn't the first game that is based off of a movie that is based off. Oh. Prince of Persia. Mm, that was yeah. one, yeah, 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 yeah mm-hmm. where it was based on the movie, not on the game series. Yeah, <laughs> Prince of Persia, the game, the movie, the game. There's also uh, a, apparently there's going to be some sort of Duke Nukem movie, and uh, John St. John, the voice actor of Duke Nukem, is all up in arms because they want to cast John Cena as Duke Nukem. Of course they do. Yeah, so he's like put on an online petition where he's uh, he's wanting them to replace. John Cena in the entire movie with a CG movie so that he can continue to voice Duke in the uh, movie. I'd just be happy with just voice dubbing John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> that would kind of be Nobody amazing. will know. Uh, then we talked about emotional beats in open world games. That was, that's something that we talked about on Friday as well. And uh, the, there's there's the narrative that's in the game that's supposed to have its emotional beats, but when you kind of go off the path of that, let's say Skyrim, you kind of wander around for a while, you kind of miss those emotional beats because you're off doing something else, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, it creates this weird thing. And I came out and said that emotional beats are still there, but it's done within the player's story itself. And that's kind of a twofer thing. For yeah. I think uh, maybe... The new Zelda would be a very good example of that. Like, the majority of the stories that you'll hear when you talk with friends about 
the newest Zelda game is, oh, I, I happened across this thing, and I did this thing and that thing, and it was this amazing moment. You know, it's, it's player-driven stories yeah. mm-hmm. that come out of that. The, what is it, uh, emergent narrative, mm-hmm. emergent gameplay? Yeah, yeah. well, that, that's a weird thing, too. I mean, there's, a, like, pulling out the uh, the internet developer vocabulary, ludonarrative dissonance in video oh. games. Mm-hmm. Um, right, like, there's the Fallout 4 catastrophe where like you don't care about your son and then you meet one person 300 days into your adventure and you're like oh my god where's my son and then you go just hang out in the wasteland um but zelda does a good job of countering that where it has a bunch of these like really emotional story beats sandwiched between hours of you moving rocks and looking for leaf people Mm. but the entire (laughs) game's tone like when you're out there it's just like it's it's almost moody it's it's very like quiet and reflective so when you go through this reflective period and then you find like a basically a huge monster and then like a tearjerker moment like oh wow and then you go hang out in the woods for three hours but that's still like a, a quiet time where in fallout it's just like ridiculous laser gun blasts and then my son and then more laser blasts well and it's not just i mean little narrative distance is the right is the right term for this in that like this is all defined by um the the frame narrative that they give you in that in fallout of course it it being a game that there are two distinct experiences that the developers are allowing you to have they're either allowing you to explore at your own whimsy or follow the mainline story. Mm-hmm. The reason that it works so well in Zelda is the mainline story is loose enough that it doesn't really, there's not like really a true sense of urgency of making you need to go do right. the only thing that you're supposed to do, um, which they tell you at the very beginning what you're supposed to do. But <laughs> like, but you also know that then everything else that you do also builds into actually being able to accomplish that. Right. Because I mean, really, in reality, if you're good enough of a player, you can go accomplish the final goal immediately. But then, and then it truly does become the player's story of everything that you do, even if you are just picking up rocks and looking for yeah. leaf people, all of that goes towards becoming the type of person that you need to be to accomplish the final goal. And I think that's the reason that, that it works. Yeah. So... But also in that, um, when you say emotional beats in open world games, are you talking specifically about uh, design choices narratively that the developers have made to go, this is emotional, or are you reflecting on like emotional moments that can happen, like when, um, like in New Vegas, where you're just wandering around and then you find you go through this ant place and then you find this vault, and inside is the whole um, the whole nightmarish vault where they vote people to die every year, mm-hmm. or and. That's something that like most people just find by walking in, and the game doesn't say like go here and experience this. I'm sure there is one quest that says go find this vault, but then like you were just having fun shooting some dudes, and then all of a sudden you get just this bomb dropped of like they voted themselves to death, and then you get to the very end, and if you survive through save scumming, obviously no one actually lives to the end of that vault. You save scum and eventually figure out how to live, then you realize that they just killed themselves, and that's an emotional like wow but not through story. So you can fit emotion. That's a, that, uh, that's a topic I'm trying to explore, really, because uh, it kind of it really fascinates me that there are so many different ways of, of story being told within video games, mm-hmm. and I wanted to kind of really dig into what really works for video games and what doesn't so much, right. especially when it comes to open world. So just stay tuned. Okay. Yeah, I, th- I think... Uh, to, to answer the question, um, I, I think that from what I've heard from you, Rebecca, mm-hmm. kind of the direction that you're taking in that is that's a dramatic moment mm-hmm. right. um, that 
aids to kind of the player's story. But like when we're talking emotional beats, kind of more like essentially literally transferring the traditional narrative uh, uh, cycle, if you will, mm -hmm. um, essentially transferring the Freytax pyramid from narrative into the player experience. Mm -hmm. And so then that would be maybe a player low point or a player point to learn and continue to grow as a character right. slash player. Yeah, that's so the way that I've interpreted mm. it. Yeah. So, it, so it isn't a moment when you're climbing a mountain in Zelda and it starts to rain and you just slide all. I mean, that's well, I mean, sure. <laughs> Again, like that's most a, emotional moment in gaming. Right yeah, now. It, like, it, no. it came about because of a uh, because of Skyrim. Uh, it made a cycle on on the internet, but it, it the does. guy who had a dog, he got really. He's just got the entire. I have to find the tweet or the, at least the article of it. But he's just going through how he got the dog. How he started getting like panic attacks because the dog was getting attacked while he was fighting and he's trying to keep the damn thing alive and it just keeps building and building. He's like, I had to get a child, but the child wouldn't come live with me even though she sleeps on a bench, but the house wasn't good enough for her and it just keeps going and going. Right. And so that's kind of, you could feel his frustration all through it. Yeah. Uh, so it's like the Subnautica thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we'll, we'll just jump right into Friday. What they I I arrived late on Friday. So what did you guys discuss before I arrived? Um, honestly, most of the time we, I think that we discussed the uh, kind of retail, uh, like essentially digital distribution, mm -hmm. and um, it, it was a conversation that was started by uh, essentially how some of the game retailers are stepping back or like deciding to not carry Xbox games mm -hmm. because Xbox is giving out pretty much all first party titles with with their um, Game Pass. Mm -hmm. um, and then that got into a discussion about um, that, that uh, about like kind of just property ownership for entertainment in kind of like a modern sense in that like with all of the streaming software and like with uh, like kind of downloading um, sites that are out there um, that in which you download and stream legally um, that like really in reality anything that you buy digitally on Steam or on iTunes or on Spotify or anywhere, you don't own any of that anymore. And this idea of like, that's kind of okay, or is that not okay? Right. And um, it, because of course, at some point, you're, that's the thing with physical media is you will always have that, whether or not you of course have the hardware that can actually play mm -hmm. it. And then on the flip side of it, then yes, anything that you buy digitally, you just simply know you are renting. And then because of that, because if the service ever goes down, uh, it's gone forever. True. Or if the service decides to pull it or lose their contract with it. Um, for the first time in like Netflix's streaming history, Family Guy is gone in two days, um, you know, as an example, right? Uh, for some reason, I went on Family Guy tangent and I forgot where I was going <laughs> on that. Um, but essentially, yeah, and so the idea that you are renting, and so like, oh, right, um, so to the price point argument mm. that digital games and physical games, this is a great, or whether or not this is a good step, mm. um, for retailers to have to take another look at essentially their business model um, because games do not need to be the same cost based off of physical versus digital distribution. Yeah, that's a that's a huge topic. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. How we spent a long time talking. <laughs> we about we it. spent about an hour. Oh, like wow. most of, most of our conversation evolved around that. But we also talked about a review that happened with Monster Hunter. I love Monster Hunter. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what? Oh, what? Yeah. what happened? Um, What's going on? So it said that apparently this guy got super upset that Monster Hunter got such good reviews because it's a niche game. Okay. And that that was. Okay. Just raving Basically, about that. Somebody bought it because the reviews were good and yeah. they weren't into it. 
So oh, okay. they were mad that the reviews were good. Mm, uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, well, yeah, that's the buyer's job to decide. <laughs> that's what we came down to. Yeah, like, yeah. Our thing was like, it's Watch on the consumer. Gameplay. Yeah. It, like, it's on the consumer at that point. Like a stream. Maybe, uh, maybe talk to somebody. rent the game. And then, uh, can you rent? Can you, can you rent games anymore? I mean, Gamefly does still exist. Yeah. Oh, oh, technically. Oh, <laughs> technically. I think um, they have a demo, don't they? Uh, probably. I know they had like three betas leading up to the release. True. I, I've I've had a jam playing Monster Hunter, but I think the the important part is that I've been playing with Tyler and Steve, uh, so there's that social aspect of like, yeah, yeah. this is how you play Monster Hunter. It's, it's the same Monster Hunter is the same problem that Dark Souls has, which is there's a specific way to play the game, and if you know that way to play, it is a it, you have so much fun. But if the and the game doesn't teach you. Same thing that fighting games have. There is a way to play Street Fighter. Street Fighter does not teach you how to play Street Fighter. So if you never learn, it's not fun. But at the moment you learn how to play a fighting game, oh my god, it's fun. And Monster Hunter doesn't... It has. It's riddled with tutorials, but it doesn't teach you how to play Monster Hunter. Yeah, which is... That. Which is... And th- that's where the design of Dark Souls and... Not like they're similar in that the games are hard, but they're similar in Ethos where... There are lots of systems that they don't teach you. You have to figure out, which is part of the fun of learning the game. So I can see where he was, or this person was annoyed that they didn't know how, not difficult, but niche it, it is. It's not really niche. It's go to Japan. It's super popular. But, um, <laughs> and this is particularly the one that was made to be popular outside of Japan it, it, as well. It's super accessible. Yeah, I, I think that a part of the argument, and I have not watched this video, mm-hmm. um, but what I think it was Evan that brought it up. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, I think that what the point was um, that Evan said was that, like, it's it's less even just about Monster Hunter itself, and mm. like kind of more it's this person wanting to see game reviews be essentially written and done in a certain way, right. in which they keep in mind the audience for it, oh. and you know, and then that leads into that dis- a, a very different discussion, and I right. think that's kind of what part oh. of the discussion is about is. Um, what do game review? Why are game reviews being done, and who should they be done for? Should right. it be done for a wide audience, and therefore, if so, should it um, have disclaimers on it, essentially, before uh. giving a certain review on like this is a game for this crowd, or should you just review it as somebody as part of that crowd and review it as like it is a certain type of niche game? Let's review it as how quality of that niche game is mm-hmm. it, you know? Um, well, I mean, part of that is is reading uh, reading reviews <laughs> enough to kind of understand the reviewers' personalities. You should, yeah. if you if you've been looking at game reviews, you can kind of get a feel for okay, this guy from Polygon likes these kind of games, and his tastes kind of align with mine. So if he likes a thing, then I'll probably like the right. thing. And this is the case you can see with with any reviews uh, you can find online. You can just look at that that person's reviews going all yeah. the way back. If they've been hired. And yeah. Well, yeah. For that. Yeah. The personality thing is a huge part. I mean, I was on a podcast a little while ago, Nick Culberson. One of the things that I think he ended up having to edit down for time, but we I went into, which is we're in a moment in history where personality is. I'm sure it's sold heavily, mm-hmm. but nowadays it's really what sells. Mm-hmm. It's, it's 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 personality. Um, that's what is marketable, and that's what's attractive. So. Whether or not you want to be personality, when you review something, it's it's all about pers- th- th- that's what you're giving out. But the issue I think with a lot of the biggest like reviewers is that that isn't the focus, which is fine. But 
yeah, like, I don't expect everybody looking into Monster Hunter to go through the Monster Hunter review on IGN and then go into a rabbit hole about this author to, dis- to discover whether oh, or not. Yeah, absolutely not. But yeah. they, they should know, okay, this review is for the mass audience and go, okay. And if they still need more information, they go deep into the reviewer of like, okay, let me f- see like a reviewer who likes this kind of game, right? And then like, they should view multiple reviews and look into a reviewer. Or if they have this problem consistently, find a reviewer that is aligned with your views yeah. and then like those games. So in other words, what you're saying is actually read the reviews? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, I, I think that's what's at the core of this as well, is that a lot, a, 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 that was one of my arguments, is that a lot of what this person is asking for is already done. Mm. They will bring that up in the review very often. Um, if you're just reading the numbers, that's not going to tell you who wrote it. That's mm. also not going to tell you what they even said in it. Low um, effort. So yeah, no, I, I completely agree with on on all on all points. Yeah, I think it's just a it's uh, this is weird now that it's a public thing. I'm about to say. I typically like I'm very hyperbol hyperbolic. <laughs> We're a family friendly uh, podcast. Just like yeah, no, I'm not going <laughs> to be just kidding. Sorry. Um, but I, I typically speak very dramatically. I had an encounter with a, a principal in my old high school and. When he talked to my mom, I was expecting, your son's disrespectful. No, he's just over the top and dramatic with his <laughs> words. But I often say, uh, YouTube has ruined media. Um, not literally. It's just the concept of YouTube being that it's, like, it's super free and super low effort to get entertainment immediately. And that's dramatically changed how most people view other th- sources of media. Um, especially for games where people want free games that are high quality. <laughs> um... But then also when they go to review, they, they they begin skipping through the video looking for the good part. And when it's a review, the review's three minutes long. You're going to skip through most of the review. And you can't skip through an article. You can skim an article, but you can't click through an article because you won't read it. And so that's not literally blaming YouTube, but that, that mindset going into it. People just, they don't, they don't read. They don't put in effort into viewing content, no matter what kind of content it is. Um, and that's unfortunate that now we're in this moment in history or this moment in culture where we're all wanting low effort free stuff please and it's like come on can we put <laughs> you're, you're you're spending your time do it right because you're gonna you're gonna end up wasting 60 dollars in a game that you know you're not gonna like if the moment someone goes it plays like dark souls and if you're like red flag i don't like dark souls you can get out if you don't like third person slow games fine but if you you just saw it eight out of ten and was like that's what I want, okay. Put an effort. So that's I think there's a lot there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we can keep going on that for a yeah, while. Yeah, but. but we want to get to you. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> hear about your game. More me. Wait, real quick. Uh-huh. Is that everything? I believe so. Yes. Yeah, I think we're good. Okay, now let's get to you. Cool. Oh, uh, so Storm, you are coming out with R- RGB. Yes. Really good battle. Indeed. There's Tell layers. us about it. What's, Please. Give, give us the pitch. Oh, the pitch. Oh, no. Uh, RGB is a lightning-fast f- multi- local multiplayer platform fighter uh, with a minimalistic design and aesthetic um, that is accessible and super fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's like the uh, if you have the press kit or take a peek at any of the websites or even look at the game, it, it looks like Atari gone mad. Um, it's 
One to four player, single screen, local multiplayer. That's a pretty popular genre these days. Um, it was really popular like 2013. Then it's gone through a dip, and then I made RGB right through that dip. And then now I'm seeing a lot of other yeah. local multiplayer games coming back. So hopefully I can ride that wave. Uh, my goal is to add my game to that like library of other games. So if you're looking for multiplayer brawlers, by the way, um. My, my game isn't Rivals of Aether. It's not a standalone, like, you buy this game, spend 60 years playing it. The goal is that it, 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 you add it to your library. If my friends are over, let's play Samurai Gone, some Towerfall, some RGB. Yeah, that, that's party why it's a party game. It, and it's not... I would be, I'd be excited if someone, like, labbed the game and, like, learned all the tricks. But it, it's supposed to be fun. Where can you buy it? Uh, Steam and itch.io. For Windows, um, it's, I'm working on porting. It's difficult. It's... It's, uh, no one indie game the movie didn't talk about porting. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I blame them. No, um, it's part of the job. I'm I have to buy a MacBook and or cheap MacBook and port to it. But mm -hmm. for now, just Windows. So if you if you have a MacBook or a Linux machine, sorry, I'm working on it. But yeah, it's 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 my articulation of what I like about Super Smash Bros. Melee without this ridiculous skill ceiling, and because of that, it still has the local multiplayer only. You have, to hook, you have to hang out with your friends. That's how the game is made. Of course, there is a streaming service you can use to stream multiplayer, local multiplayer games to each other, which is fine. Go ahead and do that if you want to set that up. Invite some friends over, get some controllers, have a blast. Um, it's only got a joystick and two buttons. So there's not like combos. There's one punch button, and you can punch in different directions. That's about it. You can jump on the walls. I was about to say... It because uh, have you seen it, right, Eric? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because um, you show it a lot at the, the show and play, or you showed it a couple times at the show and play. Yeah, and been around a bit. <laughs> and uh, one of the things that really caught my attention is you could change the colors of the character. Mm -hmm, that's why it's RGB. <laughs> uh, initially in the design, that was, like, the main shtick. I was so obsessed with that when I discovered, like... Of course, that's not... Like, a lot of fighters have the custom color thing, but I was like, no... I want that to be like a huge ish, like a huge deal, and eventually that got pushed away to the side and streamlined. Um, but that's why the RGB is still there. But mm -hmm. The game is really good battle. I refer to it as RGB because in the same genre, like that's a design choice of most people. Like they sh they hyphenate or they shorten fighting game names. Mm -hmm. So I should do that by default. That way, people assume it's a high level fighting game if it already has a little abbreviation. Um, I like that. It, uh, but yeah. People love fighters, and they love to get, like, possessive over, like, costumes. Mm. If you ever play Melee, that's the people that I play Red Fox. Like, it's mine. And at the highest level, there's like, oh, wow, he's playing Blue Fox. What is happening? That's a call-out to a different player. Like, is it? It's just a color. So that's why I have RGB-specific um, colors. If there were ever a, a competitive scene, because the game is designed to be for the possibility of competitive, competitive but it's a local, like, mm -hmm. party game that um, you can really own a specific color of RGB. Like, I want 255, 74, 36. That's me. Okay. Don't touch it. Oh, you actually input the values yeah. for the color? Yeah. I was waiting yeah, for him amazing. to get that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, speaking of the color, uh, I noticed the, the walls and platforms, when you land on them, they get colored with your yeah. chosen color. So, so does that impact the gameplay at all? Uh, no, it, it can. And I was, pr uh, like, thinking about, like, interesting game modes. And the game is done. But um, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm 100% done with it. I'm still going to make some more maps after release, and I might make a few game modes since I left it kind of open for that. So there's definitely a possibility space of a platoon-esque cover-the-map-in-your-color mm -hmm. mode. But as of now, it's simply just run around and punch people. Uh, there's three different game modes. 
um, there's basically stock, and then there's the the good one, <laughs> um, uh, where the goal is to get kills, not to survive. I love Samurai Gun, but when I played with people, um, the issue is that uh, there's always one one person owns the, in Party Brawlers. One person owns the game, and that person's better because they own the game. Mm -hmm. And so there's that unfair advantage of this person will win, and when the goal is to stay alive the longest, that person will get more playtime, making them better. And the newest person will die immediately and have to wait for the game to be over. That's always me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's never fun to, like, the game is two minutes long, so you die in the first minute, and then you watch the good players play, and you don't get practice. That or you sit in the corner of the match the whole time. Right. Until there's only one person left, and then you fight the Yeah. Player. So the, the game that's default and that I ask the new people play is uh, kills to win. And you just The goal is to get f the set number of kills, and then you win. That way you can... And when you die, you, you spawn in about a second. So you can just run around, jump, get used to... Even if you're... I playtested a lot because I have that meetup, and even if you're bad, you don't know it because you're too busy having fun and learning the mechanics. And after you realize how the jump works and the timing of the punch, then you start to care if you're dying. But initially, since you die so quickly and respond so quickly, you don't even know you're dying, which is enough. Because the games last like 30 seconds. It's super fast-paced, mm -hmm. depending if you set it to a re re reasonable setting. That, that's also a thing is I'm... Because I love Smash Bros, uh, I like open player. Like I like leaving things to the player. So the game mode is like this is the the set. You have to kill people to get score, but you can set the score to a any number and set the amount of games you play in a set to any number. So you could play. I play tested at um, what is that event? I I had it in my head, but now I want to say it. It leaves me. <laughs> um, lo low tier city is at it. Um, the Smash Bros tournament. It's at a, a convention here in. Uh, the Dallas area, uh, I forget the name of Absolute it. Absolute Battle. No, the it, it's a it's a indie it's like a game convention, but Low Tier City is uh, a Smash Room. Oh, edit. let's play gaming. Let's play gaming expo. I demoed there, and these thirteen year olds came and played, uh, and they played a bunch of games, and then they played a first to one hundred and one kills, mm -hmm. and a first to three lasts about thirty seconds, but a first one hundred and one with four different people, it lasted about an hour, which was great for me to get like some food. Yeah. <laughs> but you can do that and of course I balance that with you have to push the button every single time with the score to go up by ones if you want to play a first to a thousand you have to push that button a thousand times so I stop you from getting there mm -hmm. but yeah you can really customize that so, one question I have yeah. because you can you, your background uh, I haven't seen it lately but your back, background is black right? yes it's at black and white terrain right so one time when you were showing your game, you showed that you can make a character that is the exact same shade mm -hmm. as the game as your background. Yeah. Have you fixed that? Did you change no, that? That's the, that that is totally in there. Um, and that 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 is, the game is designed around that. And um, you can be whatever color you want. The background is absolutely black, zero 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 RGB. And if you want to be that, you can go ahead and do that. Warning: you play worse because you can't see yourself, <laughs> but people can see you still because the terrain changes color. So no matter what color you are, it, it's a little bit scary because there's just this void of black like terrain <laughs> coming towards you. But you totally know that somebody's there. Um, but there's also a, seri a series of effects that uh, accompany the game, right? Like. When you punch, like there's this like what? First off, the hitboxes are visible throughout the entire game. They're always white and they're always there, so you can see exactly what's visible. So when uh, when a, an entirely black player punches, it's there's a white circle that's totally gonna hit you. There's like a blur effect when you jump. There's a trail, so you're visible. You're not when you saw it. Most likely, it was just this enigma <laughs> running around punching people. But nowadays, it's like oh no, it's like a a cat hiding in a window, mm -hmm. but the sun's on the outside, so it's like I, you're right there. I see you. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I wanted people to be able to pick that color, which is also why I totally removed no online play because I know people will abuse that. Um, mm. Though uh, after doing some research, I learned that you can make it so that on my screen, I'm whatever color I want to be, but on their screen, it's a set color, but whatever. Yeah, I, I really like uh, that party aspect, and I want players to do what they want, so I left things pretty open. You can be whatever color. Um, now there's actually a save system, so before, every time you started a match, you had to pick a color, and that got tedious, so now you can save... Um, there's three different characters. Uh, they're just sprites. Everybody's the same numbers. You can pick a sprite, a color, and name it, and so you can basically save a character. Mm -hmm. um, oh, that goes to the, you're going to own, if somebody wants right. to own that color, yeah, and stick around. Yeah, you can have up to, I believe, like 10 letters in your name as well, so you can have a short phrase if you're good enough with the letters. Yeah, I've, through a lot of playtesting, um, it's been received pretty well. And the thing I'm most proud of so far is that I can give the game to people for an hour and a half and they'll enjoy it. And because people are shy in person, I, I trash talk a little bit, like fun, you know, like I, I'll like, hey, check this out. And then I'll jump across the map and punch you upside down. Um, but once I start the, the trash talk, like the, the fun trash talk, um, I can back out and people will continue it. And that's really exciting that I made a game that feels consistent enough that you can trash talk because that's a big issue in a lot of yeah. games where you're not good enough to, hey, check this out, and then you fumble it. Um, but that people will, can have fun. And that's like, I did it. Thank God. <laughs> well, your game looks and sounds like a blast. I'm excited to play it because we often have a lot of friends over and we'll do local multiplayer. Oh, cool. So that sounds right up my alley. Awesome. Uh, uh, I believe, looking at your press kit, you said it's releasing April 18th? No, February 15th. Oh, jeez, yeah. Yeah, Thursday. This Thursday. Yeah, your press kit still says April. I'm looking at it. Does it? Oh, no. Yeah, it's pretty outdated. I need, this is where indie games get real. Um, <laughs> after you finish the game, there's everything else to do, and you don't know how to do it. Um, yeah, that's my bad. See, that was before I decided. February 15th. <laughs> well, then we'll keep an eye out for it. Yeah. On Thursday. Oh, yeah. yeah, for Thursday. You said yeah. that it is on Steam. Uh, it is on Steam. Uh, I have Steam keys if you guys want, like a few. I uh, I know that you should have some, so I pulled like twenty five, <laughs> and then I gave one to Fork, and then I'm like, oh, I have twenty four of these. <laughs> uh, I gave yeah. So if you guys want any, I can just here. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. We might do a giveaway, maybe. Oh, at, that would uh, be cool. The coffee yeah. clubs, like yeah. one on Thursday, one on Friday as well. Yeah. So uh, we have coffee club every Thursday and Friday at eight a.m. Uh, the one on Thursday is over at the City Line Whole Foods, and then the one uh, on Friday is here at Nirvana at eight a.m. So mm. you cool. want to come and raffle it yourself? You're welcome to do that. Oh, or awesome. if you just want to give us the key, we are happy to do that as well for anybody who comes. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds great. Cool. Uh, and what's it going to cost? Uh, $10. Cool. Yeah, nice and cheap. Nice. Good price point. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it was uh, right. well, took time to get there. <laughs> that concludes today. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so yeah, that's the end of the recap. Um, mm -hmm. Thank you again to Nerdvana Coffee for giving us the space to be able to record here. Um, if you ever want to record your own podcast or do some streaming or just find a different place to get some work done, it's a really nice quiet space. You can look out on the coffee shop and on when there are people here, you know, not in the morning, um, <laughs> and out on the Nirvana Spirits um, crowd as well. Um, so th you can always sign up for that. Um, just uh, hit up Nirvana. Uh, I think that they have the Gmail on their website, or yeah. is it just Nirvana? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's on their website. Oh, they also have rigs for streaming if you want to stream some games. Yep. So they have a whole bunch of things here. 
for anybody that wants to take advantage of it. Um, and we'd love to see you at one of the coffee clubs if you have never made it before or have made it, but it's been a long time. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, so that's it for today's episode. Uh, I am Eric Brody. You can find me at Eric Brody on Twitter. I'm Michael Sewell. You can find me at Sewell Softworks on Twitter. Rebecca. Oh, okay. I'm Rebecca. <laughs> I'm Rebecca. You can find me at my, mine is the hardest, my dyslexic world on Twitter, but at dyslexic is spelled wrong. Uh, it's on purpose. Uh, so it's M Y D E S L E X I C world. <laughs> and thanks again, Storm, for dropping yeah, by. And sure. where can people find you? Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter like everybody else at Boxhead Pixel Art. Uh, a bit of a word. Uh, Classic indie. Yep, yep. Good old pixels. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's a Storm Boxhead Hughes. Um, that's basically it. Cool. Excellent. Bye, guys. Bye. Yeah, we did the thing. Bye. Yeah, thanks for coming. Thanks yeah. for having me. I enjoy talking. <laughs> <laughs> I do like a conversation.